Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is the Reds Hot Stove Room. The Reds are on the radio. The Reds Hot Stove League is brought to you by the Holy Grail Banks Tavern and Grill, Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, JTM Food Group, MSA Architects, Thompson McConnell Cadillac, and by Document Destruction. The Reds Hot Stove League is also brought to you by... And this one belongs to the Reds! CBTS, a Cincinnati Bell Company, technology solutions for business. Your Tri-State Chevy dealers. Check out Chevy's award-winning lineup only at your Tri-State Chevy dealers. The Healthcare Management Group, greater care for greater Cincinnati. And by Woody Sander Ford, I-75 at Mitchell Avenue, right in the middle of everywhere. Now, the Reds Hot Stove League on News Radio 700 WLW, the home of the Reds. Good evening and welcome in. It's the Reds Hot Stove League show. We're at the Holy Grail Banks downtown Cincinnati, directly across the street from Great American Ballpark, and we are presented by Budweiser. The bench strength of this show is going to take a significant test tonight. Mo Egger and Jeff Pecoro filling in for Marty Brenneman, Tom Brenneman, and a host of others. This is going to be fun tonight. I'm excited to be here with you. Yeah. It's like old-timers back in the day. You're calling me an old-timer? Well, back when we both worked together. Oh, at that's true. 1530. At 1530 yeah. and other places. And, and Jerry Springer was there. <laughs> that was a long <laughs> was time a, ago. That so. was a very long time ago. We have an, an hour of Reds talk to get to. We'll be joined in the uh, second half hour of this show by uh, Mark Sheldon of uh, MLB.com. A lot to talk about. Spring training is getting closer. The, uh, the uh, details for the Reds' caravan announced uh, earlier today. We'll uh, dive into that coming up in, in just a bit. I was thinking about this today because, you know, it's been such a quiet offseason all around baseball, which we'll talk about. And the Reds obviously haven't been all that active. They've made some signings. I really like the Jared Hughes moves. But, but for the most part, like most teams, it's been pretty quiet. But you think about this team going into spring training this year as opposed to last year, the year before certainly. There's, there's not as much unsettled, which to me as a fan is, number one, a sign of the progress this franchise is making. Number two, kind of makes it interesting when you when you think ahead to spring training. Well, I think last year you had a lot of question marks, and this year those are kind of answered. The, yeah. the one question mark, if you will, is going to be, can Jose Peralta play uh, – or Peraza play shortstop <laughs> for 162 games? Yeah. You know, and, and can he make the improvement – that Eugenio Suarez did at third base under the tutelage that he got. I mean, mm-hmm. a giant step forward. To me, uh, should have been a finalist for a gold glove over there at third base. He was that good. Uh, plus, I think by his defense getting better, it took a lot of pressure off his offense, and you saw him blossom this year. Can the same thing happen with Peraza? And then the only other question really is, can Scooter duplicate what he did last year? And then the other guys. Um, 
you're right. There, there's not a whole lot of holes to fill. I mean, what do you do? You're not going to replace your first baseman. No. You know, it, he it, seems safe. You got four outfielders, <laughs> so do you, do you trade one of those guys? Do you, you know, there's the Billy question. Your corner, you got two corner outfielders that had the possibility of hitting 30 home runs, which you've already seen from Duvall. So, you know, there aren't a lot of questions in that starting eight. The question is in the bullpen and the starting pitch. We'll talk about that, but, you know, you talk about the outfield. And, and to me... You know, what, what you want to do is you ultimately want to develop and build a surplus, right? I mean, in, in any business, any team, you want to have too many spots or too many guys for not enough spots. Right. In the outfield, and it remains to be seen ultimately what they do with Billy Hamilton, but it kind of feels like they've they've done that. Even Phil Irvin last year, I think, at least earned a shot to kind of be that fifth guy off the bench. They have a surplus of outfielders. And if Jose Peraza hits, given the trajectory that we're seeing from Nick Senzel, they're not too far away from a surplus of infielders. No, you're exactly right. And I, I think your question is, is do you, what do you do with Senzel? You know, yeah. do, do, do you try him this year, maybe move him to the outfield to see if he could do it? Or is he there as a backup for second and third? You know, the, I don't know if he's a shortstop, if he can, if he can play shortstop in the majors. That's going to be a question mark for him. But you're right. Um, to me, though, I, I just like the makeup of this team. Of maybe... Maybe a guy for the bench. You, you now know that Tucker's going to be your, you know, your, your everyday yeah. catcher. So now you've got Devin coming off the bench. So that's going to supply you some power there. Sure. So, you know, like, like you said, uh, there's not a whole lot of question marks. But you want to, as you say, kind of you, you, you take Georgia, take Alabama. You want to recruit over. Yeah. You know, you want to keep yeah. drafting those guys that are going to push the guys that you have. Jesse Winker proved last year. That, you know, that he can play at this level. I think the one thing this team still does that I'd like to see changed, and it's kind of hard to do, though, they make too many unproductive outs. Uh, right. You know, you, you, you see a guy that leads off an inning with a double, and three outs later, he's still sitting on second base. You know, you've got to get those guys over, and you've got to get them in. Uh, this team makes too many of those those type of plays. But other than that, I kind of like that the, the starting eight. I think what's, what's going to be interesting, if the outfield stays as is, when Billy Hamilton doesn't play, who bats lead off? If yeah. Billy Hamilton is playing, is he hitting lead off? Well, at at Reds Fest, Brian Price was, I guess the word is lukewarm in, in, in talking about Billy Hamilton coming back. He said he's got to earn hitting lead off. He's obviously done that for a number of years. And so what does the lineup look like if, A, he doesn't earn the leadoff spot, and, B, if they go four guys for three spots, and Winker certainly deserves right. some playing time, who bats leadoff? Yeah, no, that's a great question because, you know, this isn't quite, even though you do have, you know, Shevler, Duvall, Votto, Suarez, and Scooter who all had over 20 home runs last year, it's still not the, the big red machine out there. So you can't carry a guy who's on pace percentage at leadoff is under 300, right. in my opinion. That's just me talking. Now, Brian might feel differently. Dick might feel differently about that. But you, you've got to do something. And I think we see what we've seen in Billy, that this is what you have. So can you live with that? And to me, I can't live with that as a leadoff hitter. Right. So where do you put him in the order? You know, you can't stick him in front of the pitcher because they're just going to pitch around. Do you bat him ninth mm -hmm. and make yourself have two leadoff guys, so to speak? You know, that's that's the question for me with this. It, it, it's an interesting conundrum, if, if, if you will, of what do you do with Billy, or can he now into his fifth year of Major League Baseball 
improve on that on-base percentage. And it speaks to what they did offensively last year. This team scored more runs than the 2012 team. Now think about that. The 2012 team won 97 games. Roland, Frazier, yep. Ludwig, Vado missed a lot of time but still had a, a really productive year. Jay Bruce. This team scored more runs by a lot than yep. the 2012 team, the 2013 team. And the leadoff guy didn't get on base that often. So if you plug in a guy that just gets on the on base at the league average and then Hamilton hits lower in the order, uh, when he doesn't play, you're not worried about it, think of what they could do at the top of the order. If they just get league average production sure. from the top, given everything else they have. No, that's that's and, and that's the problem. And then you say, Bo, defensively, how much does he help you out there? Sure. You know as a pitcher, anything that's hit in the gaps is being caught. So that t- eases his mind a little bit. But as you said, can you carry that offensive non-production at the leadoff spot? And to me, it, it just really hurts this baseball team. Uh, the other thing that is, is interesting to me, you talked about Jose Peraza. I think people forget Jose Peraza is Young just kid. 24 years old. Uh, Eugenio Suarez, when the Reds got him, the word was he can hit, he can't field. And I remember very early his first full season here, you hit at the third base and it was an adventure. And now he's not just reliable, he's good. Mm-hmm. You talked about him winning a gold glove. Like now you could see that happening one day. I think we discount the improvement that guys can make here. People forget Jose Peraza came up here the second time in 2016 and did nothing but hit. Right. So can I get that? And then can I get the type of work that Suarez put in to turn himself into, look, does he have to be Zach Cozart? Not necessarily. But can he be competent? I tend to think at the age of 24 that that's a reasonable expectation. No, I, I agree 100%. And, and to me, it was all about the footwork. And, and it's hard because it's so different from shortstop to third base. Suarez uh, came up as a shortstop right. and was moved to third base. He worked very hard with Freddie Benavides on his infielding, and he, it showed. His footwork was tremendous last year. The errors that he made before were mostly throwing errors because he was throwing off of the wrong foot and, and trying to throw from different angles. Now his footwork is fantastic over there at third base. Most of the throws are right on the money. We've seen that improvement. Can Jose do that same thing? I, I, it's not can he, it's will he. Do you have, because at this point, Mo, once you've made it, what separates a good player from being a, a great player, what, what separates a guy that's just a you know, a, a fourth outfielder or, or the fifth infielder from being Joey Votto is the work he puts in outside of the, you know, four hours pre and post the game. You know, right. Are you going to come in at 12 o'clock and work on things? Are you going to come on on an off day and work on that? Are you going to be doing right now still, what, five weeks, four weeks, five weeks from uh, spring training? Are you going to work on that now? So when you get to spring training, you're, you're, you're ready. That, that's the question. You talk about Joey Votto and, and the example in working hard for me is what he did defensively sure. 2016 to 2017 sure. where he said, look, I've got to be better with the glove. And what was he in 2017? A gold glove finalist. Uh, your phone calls are welcome at 513-749-7000 and 1-800-843-2441. Don't forget with the Reds pick six plan, you can choose any six Reds home games and save up to 25% whether you want fireworks Fridays, uh, you can collect this season's bobbleheads, or you can see the Reds play the Cardinals or Cubs. The choice is all yours. Plus, you'll get six McDonald's extra value meal vouchers. Purchase your pick six plan today at Reds.com slash pick six. Some restrictions apply. That is the key right there, the McDonald's. Ain't no doubt about that. It makes it all worthwhile. There is no doubt about that. We're at the Holy Grail Banks, downtown Cincinnati. It's the Reds Hot Stove League show presented by Budweiser on the Cincinnati Reds Radio Network. 
Reds Hot Stove League show live from the Holy Grail Banks, presented by Budweiser on the Cincinnati Reds Radio Network. Mo Egger and Jeff Pecoro hanging out to the top of the hour. Mark Sheldon from MLB.com will join us in about uh, 10 to 15 minutes as we uh, get set for uh, the 2018 Red season. And the first, I guess the next mile post on the way to uh, opening day in late March would be the 2018 Reds Caravan. Oh, yeah. Right which is uh, just a couple of weeks away. And here's what's interesting to me about it. So, like, you're you're like the mayor of Lexington. You're the king of <laughs> Kentucky, right? And yet you're going to be at the stops in West Virginia well, okay. and Athens, Ohio. Well, what They're they not do... letting you near <laughs> Louisville, Bowling Green, or Lexington. Okay, there's four tours, north, south, east, and west. Right. And we rotate each year. Okay. So last year was my year to go south, which is Lexington, Louisville, right. Nashville. Great trip, by the way. <laughs> yes, uh, it's not bad. The, the, uh, the east tour, which I'm on this year, we go to Athens, which is new. We go to the Athens Community Center there. That's where OU is, so mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun there. Thanks, Pick. Uh, Tommy, Tom likes that. <laughs> yeah, I'm you know, sure he does. Tom likes it. Go to Charleston. We Did go you to feel Parker's like you had to tell Huntington. me that OU is? Yeah, in like Athens? you okay. didn't know. You know. All right, great. Uh, and, and then of course it all ends in Florida. But so that, so that's how that works. West, you go to Indiana, all the way out to uh, Bloomington, Indianapolis, and then uh, the North Tour is it, that's a pretty cool one too. You go up to Columbus, Lima, Dayton, some great Reds fans there, and then of course that South Tour. Uh, Nashville, Louisville, Bowling Green. So you just basically cover Reds country, and we have four big Winnebago's. Right. And we take off in the morning and come back on Sunday. So it's a lot of fun. 18 fan stops, autographs, all of them open to the public. Each fan stop, uh, you'll have a chance to win tickets to uh, the opening day game, which is on Thursday, March the 29th, against the Washington Nationals. Chance to buy season tickets. And if you're in the uh, greater Cincinnati area, all four uh, tour buses will converge at uh, the Florence Mall for the caravan finale on uh, Sunday, January the 28th. And I've been to that event before. I actually had it here at uh, GABP right. a couple of years ago, and that's a lot of fun. Yeah, the, the, I, the thing that I like the best, though, is Joe Zerhusen has done such a great job in building this the network back up. Yeah. And all the little uh, radio stations that we stop at. And some of them are just little mom-and-pop places, and some of them are, you know, like a big WLW studios yeah. and stuff. But everywhere we go, they've got, uh, you know, some guy's mom has made chili, or, you know, there's <laughs> there's sandwiches, and there's cupcakes. And, I mean, from 8 in the morning until fortnight, and, you know, the guys like Homer Bailey and, and Amir Garretts and Sour Manos and Tucker Barnhart, all these guys that go just love it because uh, there's – I think it's a Lima, Ohio stop. Yeah. We, we go to a place and they have frog legs. Oh, and nice. Brian Price was like, I'm not going to – I ate about 20 of them. And Brian, <laughs> so Brian finally started eating because these are fantastic. But it's just little things like that. And the people you get to meet, and um, it's pretty cool. And then each stop we go to a fan's house, mm-hmm. and that, that was pretty cool too. So it's, it's pretty neat. Do they let you go to the person's house, or yeah. do you have to wait in the bus? No, we, we all get to – well, no, the guy that – Gapper is the one that they, they – they usually oh. they have to check in when he leaves because he t- takes silverware and all oh, kinds of yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. Shady guy. Shady He's character. Shady, yep. All right. So that's uh, January 25th through 28th. You can yep. find out more at uh, Reds.com. You know, we were, we were talking before uh, about heading into spring training, and you can look at, you know, positionally. Yep. And it kind of feels like most of the main spots are set, at least now, and some things can change between now and, and February. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of free agency movement. I think the thing that, that surprises a lot of fans although I don't think it should if you paid attention to what's happening in the sport. Uh, there's a lot of candidates for starting rotation spots. Brian Price has said he kind of has an idea of who the first four are going to be. There's a lot of, of younger guys that would have a chance for that fifth spot. But toward the end of last year, both Brian Price and Dick Williams talked openly about 
we got to get a guy who can eat some innings, a veteran guy, a guy that, uh, you know, free agent fits the profile of, of a guy closer to his prime and less like a Bronson Arroyo or less like a Scott Feldman type guy. And the Reds haven't acquired that type of pitcher. But if Jake Arrieta is looking for a job and you Darvish is looking for a job, then whoever that guy is isn't getting signed by anybody yet. Not, not anytime soon. But, you know, to go back to when you talk about that pitching staff for a minute, when, when you talk to anybody within the Reds organization or any of the writers, and we'll talk to Mark Shelton about this here in just a little bit, you're basically, your hopes are pinned on two guys, one that hasn't pitched in two full seasons in a major league uniform, yeah. and the other who's had three surgeries in five years, and you're banking on those two guys to give you between 50 and 60 starts, and that's Homer Bailey and Anthony DiScafani. Right. If that can happen, if those two guys can get 25 to 30 starts apiece, which would be start of the season and every fifth day they go, then you're looking at about 25 wins, you know? Sure. Because both of those guys, you just look at the back of their card, and Brian Price says this all the time, Homer Bailey's going to win you between 12 and 16 games in a regular, you know, if he pitches 30 starts, and Di Scafani's about the same. So you got, what, four wins out of those two guys yeah. last year? So that's already 21 more wins of what you had last year. Um, that That's... That's huge. But, again, it's a huge if with both of them. Brandon Finnegan, one great game last year, gets hurt in the second. You know, what are you going to get for him? Right. Um, Then you have the young guys. Castillo looks like he could be a nice player. Molly looks like he could be a nice player. Sal Romano looks like he figured it out last year. Um, Reed uh, Stevenson, another guy, looks like he figured it out. I think Cody, they kind of have earmarked more for the bullpen. He's going to get a chance. Michael Lorenzen's a guy that wants to be a starter. So, I mean, there's a lot that's still... Amir Garrett. There's a ton that's still up in the air. Yeah. You no, know? There, there's a lot. The Homer Bailey thing, it, statistically, the numbers not, might not have wowed you. Now, I remember his last start of the year in Milwaukee. He went seven innings and, and didn't give up a run. And that kind of mm-hmm. felt like a really nice punctuation mark sure. for his season. But I kind of felt like the fact that he pitched last year... And at least took the ball every fifth day for about four months. Mm-hmm. That was enough. That was the first hurdle. And now he's obviously got to do it for an entire season and then start to deliver results. But I think his 2017, I think you would have to consider that a success. Just by the fact that Just he Just because he pit and yeah. didn't have to, it didn't have to stop and take a week off or right. rest the elbow. Because that's the biggest thing. When you talk to these guys... It's it's just like football. When a football player comes back from a knee injury, it, you always hear him. Oh, he's got to get that first hit. Right. You know, take that first hit. And for the pitcher, it's I got to get through a game. I got to feel the next day the regular aches and pains that a pitcher gets. And then the next day the regular aches and pains. The next day it goes away. And then by the time they're ready to start, you, you can pitch again. That that hurdle's over. That's still a huge question mark for Anthony. You know, and sure. we hope and pray because you know he did it a little differently. He didn't have the surgery and and. You know, he tried to rehab his way back. And in in my opinion, that kid's makeup, to me, might be the key to this whole pitching staff. Because if he can come back and pitch and get 25 to 30 starts, then I think that he will be successful just because of the way he pitches. And I, I just like the kid. He's a good kid. He's a hard worker. I think he can really help this baseball team. We're at the Holy Grail Banks downtown Cincinnati for the Reds Hot Stove League show presented by Budweiser. When we come back, we'll be joined by Mark Sheldon from MLB.com. We have a lot to get to between now and uh, 7 o'clock. This is...
The Reds Hot Stove League Show, presented by Budweiser from the Holy Grail Banks, downtown Cincinnati, directly across the street from Great American Ballpark. We're hanging out till uh, 7 o'clock. Mo Egger and Jeff Pecoro on the Cincinnati Reds Radio Network. Oh, that's right. It's the Reds Hot Stove League Show, live from the Holy Grail Banks, presented by Budweiser on the Cincinnati Reds Radio Network. Mo Egger and Jeff Pecoro. Before we get to Mark Sheldon of MLB.com, a couple of things if uh, you're with us here tonight at the Holy Grail. We have a number of prizes we're giving away. We have a registration box uh, maybe about 20 feet away from our table. Uh, sign up, write your name. We'll draw after our show here at uh, the Holy Grail. And also keep in mind, registration now open for the official baseball and softball camps of the Cincinnati Reds this summer. Fifteen camps are scheduled, open to boys and girls ages 6 to 14, a full list of camps and dates available. Just go to Reds.com slash camps. We are joined by uh, a guy who just got back to the States, fresh off his uh, European vacation. Mark Sheldon, MLB.com. It's good to have you. It's great to be here. How was it? It was magical. Favorite uh, place? Uh, well, we went to Italy only, and I would say Rome was my favorite. I'd never been to Italy, and... Uh, it was spectacular, but I highly recommend Pompeii as well. <laughs> this has been, I'm sure for someone who does what you do, relaxing but also challenging because there's just been a dearth of stories, not just here but around the sport. I'm, I'm looking today. There was a story on MLB.com. Eric Hosmer, Neil Walker, Mike Moustakis, who had 38 homers last year, Lorenzo Cain, Jay Bruce, Todd Frazier, J.D. Martinez, Jake Arrieta, Alex Cobb, you Darvish, Lance Lynn. Like, you could, you could, you could fill it's a playoff team. team with 25 free agents. Absolutely. Have you – I don't think you've ever seen anything like this. Why such inactivity? The holidays have passed. The winter meetings were a month ago. Spring training's four or five weeks away. And so many, like, top-rung guys are still looking for a job. And, and Mark, didn't everyone say once Otani and once uh, – Giancarlo Stanton. Giancarlo Stanton yeah. went that – Everything would start to fall apart. Yeah, right? that's true. But at the same time, I think teams now are, are coveting their own players more than they ever have. You know, the, the guys that come up through the system, they're not as willing to, to spend the money to go out and get guys outside the organization. I mean, teams are now hoarding their prospects, grooming them for bigger and better things. And I think there's just less of a need for that superstar free agent that's going to set you back hundreds of millions of dollars and then you have to carry a contract for – five to six years. I, I think the days of the five years and six-year contracts are, are kind of going away. Are you amazed at uh, – I think you got to see the book and some of the things that the Reds did for Otani. That was amazing, wasn't it? It really was. I wish I could say what I saw all yeah. completely, but I will say that the Reds made a full full court at press to go get him. They have a plan. Uh, they're not just sitting around waiting to, waiting to, you know, for some magic – Ferry to help them win the World Series. They do have a plan to try to, to try to win. They have their, their budget set out for several years. Obviously, it centers around mostly Joey Votto, mm-hmm. but they also have people in place. They think that if they can hit their prospects and time the windows just right for the guys they have under club control, including Hunter Green and Nick Senzel, that they can have a, a nice window to, to contend for a few years. And the Otani courtship, obviously, they knew getting him was a long shot, but right. that's also about entering a market that they typically haven't been involved in. Like, their, their involvement in that could pay dividends down the roads, even if it didn't yield them the guy they were looking for. Right, and it just shows that now they have a foothold in Asia. They, they hired a scout last year who was the one that kind of suggested Otani. Otani was more of a special case than the usual Japanese free agents. He's not like a Matsui or an Ichiro. He is, uh, but the, the agent or the, uh, the scout now that has the Pacific Rim is based in Seattle, but he also goes over to Asia. So I would not be shocked if at some point, 
a Japanese or South Korean uh, free agent could come to the Reds. It, it would be obviously the Reds are the only team in the majors that have not tapped into the, you know, the Japanese uh, market yet, and I think that'll change. We talk about the the free agency and the lack of movement and how many guys are still out there, and and I think the the overwhelming wisdom is has been okay. It's it, there's going to be one move, and then the dominoes will will start to fall. Ultimately, what could that mean for the Reds? Well, I was about to say. Even if some of the big free agents like Jay Bruce or J.D. Martinez or Jake Arrieta start falling off the board, I don't really think that's going to affect the Reds very much. The Reds are not swimming in the deep end of the free agent pool anyway. But what, what might happen is is that when they get closer to spring training opening and guys are still looking for jobs, there might be a bargain out there that they could you know fill in a hole. And they, they, they seem to have at least addressed what they set out to do this offseason. They wanted to get a reliever, maybe two. They've done that with Hughes and maybe Vance Worley. Right now they feel like Phil Goslin is the backup shortstop infielder utility guy they want. You know, he's a minor league signing. But there might be other, a little bit more tangible free agents that are still looking for gigs come February 13th. How much smoke was there with San Francisco and Billy Hamilton? I think it was legit. There was definitely talks during the winter meetings that seemed to get pretty interesting. The one thing that's kind of maybe made it harder now going forward for San Francisco to get Billy Hamilton's, they, they parted with a lot of their top guys to get Evan Longoria from Tampa Bay, and I don't know that they have the the people now to pry Billy Hamilton loose to get him to come to San Francisco. He's, he's interesting in, in a lot of different regards. At the top of the list for me is we know what he's great at. He has few peers in center field. We all know he can run. He's not good with the bat. Right. And, and it's hard – I think as an outsider to pinpoint, and, and maybe for people in the, in the industry, what exactly is that worth? He's going to get a pay raise each of the next two years. He's closer to being able to be a free agent. What what value is attached to a guy who's really good at this and really not good at this? I can't speak for the other clubs, but just from talking to the Reds people, they value that defense in center field probably more than the speed just on the bases in general and obviously his bad, which is far from reaching its potential. But defensively, with a pitching staff that puts the ball in play, that got hit hard this year, and think about how many runs they would have allowed if Billy Hamilton wasn't in center field. I mean, they already gave up a lot of runs, but if they could become competitive, I mean, he's he's a guy that saves Anthony DiScalfani or Homer Bailey with the the wall scraper uh, home run. He takes those back into the park. He's the guy that makes the diving play. He's the guy that cuts off baseballs into the gap and, and maybe holds an extra base hit to a single. And you, you just can't. Does devalue that. That's important. Defensive metrics are now more scrutinized than ever, and he just checks off all those boxes uh, with StatCast or anything else you want to put up there with uh, defense. He does that, and there's there's value to that. Mark, I think a lot of people forget how good a defensive player Cesar Geronimo was on that team because they talk about all the other great players that were on that team, and you could carry mm-hmm. a Cesar Geronimo with a batting average like Billy's on that team. Offensively, that hasn't been a problem with this team. But what Mo and I, the question we had is, where do you put him? Can, yeah. you know, is, Cesar is Geronimo he, didn't bat leadoff. That, right? exactly. He was the eighth hitter, right? Yeah, and that's the problem is that they're counting on Billy Hamilton to be a leadoff hitter. He's got a 299 career on base percentage. That does not cut the mustard in the major leagues as a leadoff hitter. You know, you have to look at either batting him ninth behind the pitcher if they are going to keep him. You, you, he says he's dedicating himself to do to really getting switch hitting down and being more consistent. This past year, he was better lefty than righty. The year before that, he was better righty than lefty. He needs to put it all together. He says he's working on that. Uh, one one solution would be, at least one of the days he plays, is Jesse Winker would make a very fine on uh, leadoff hitter, but he can't run like yeah, the way Billy Hamilton does. So 
they do have a conundrum, but I think if, if Billy can at least raise his OBP to maybe, you know, 320, then you're getting somewhere. Then he's setting the table for Suarez and for Votto and for Duvall and for Jeanette, and I think that's that's the difference right now and maybe creating some activity and making them you know, do better. Assuming uh, that Billy is still going to be here on March the 29th, they've got four guys for three spots. Jesse Winker came up the final quarter to third of the season, and he hit. Duvall, well-established. Shevler hit 30 home runs last year. It's easy in January to say, well, you're just going to rotate them. Okay, well, situation kind of dictates guys who are hot, matchups, injuries, that kind of thing. But just as, as you kind of look at the outfield situation from where we are now, how do you think Brian Price is going to juggle four guys for three spots? It's going to be a challenge. The one thing that the, the one advantage that he might have is that guys like Duvall and Shevler, mm-hmm. especially Duvall, who's shown second half swoons mm-hmm. each of the last two years, maybe this keeps him a little fresher. And maybe he has a better second half performance as a result of playing a little bit less in the first half. But it, it, a lot of it's going to be matchup-based. I think a lot of it's just really going to come out in who's playing better. I don't, I don't think, you know, if a guy's hitting 133 after May, I don't think he's going to be part of that rotation very often. And then they're looking at this as, as well as a, a, whoever's not playing improves their bench. You know, whether it's uh, Shevler or Duvall, you have a game-changing guy that can hit a home run in the eighth inning that makes things happen. You bring in Billy Hamilton off the bench. You have a guy that can create a run by, on the bases as a pinch runner and play defense, and then Winker can pinch hit and, and draw a walk or get a line drive hit. So there's some different options they have. How they're going to actually work out the rotation, I don't know. But Brian kind of vision, envisioned everybody getting 120 games. Instead of three guys getting 150 games, he said some right. four guys get 120 well, you games. you got 1,800 bats there. Yeah. Well, think about that bench on a given night. Devin Mezzarocco maybe coming off the bench with Billy Hamilton or Devin coming off the bench with Jesse Winker Tucker Barnhart, who's no slouch with the bat. Look, that's a key because this bench hasn't been real good in the yeah. past, right. right? And now you you add that, that's that's a pretty significant bench. The one limitation, obviously, is Mezzarocco. You have to save his bullet for the end. You can't have him pinch it in the fourth right. inning. But you can use him in the uh, you know the eighth or ninth and take that risk that you don't need a backup catcher for a couple innings. Right. And But he can be, a, if he's healthy, which obviously is the, always the asterisk with him now over the last three years, if he's healthy, he can be a game changer. Mark Sheldon from MLB.com joining us. We're at the Holy Grail Banks downtown Cincinnati till the top of the hour. It's the Reds Hot Stove League show presented by Budweiser on the Cincinnati Reds Radio Network. It's the Reds Hot Stove League show live from the Holy Grail Banks presented by Budweiser. We are across the street from Great American Ballpark. The Holy Granks and Budweiser proud sponsors of the Reds Hot Stove League show. Grab your buds. Our next show is Wednesday, January the 17th. Be specials on Bud and Bud Light Buckets at the Holy Grail Banks, Cincinnati's home for sports. Uh, we have a short segment here. Uh, the big, and, and some would, would use air quotes for this move, I actually think it was pretty significant for a team that's had such a hard time getting consistent production from relievers. Rysel Iglesias has the ninth inning lockdown, and sometimes even more than that, they expanded his role a little bit last year. That Jared Hughes signing was significant. I think so. I think you, you look at a guy that has a 2.11 ERA in 22 games at Great American Ballpark. He's only pitched for NL Central teams last year in Milwaukee, before that Pittsburgh. He knows the place. And the one thing about him historically is that he keeps the ball on the ground. He's kind of like Burke Badenhop in that sense, where he's not normally going to give up long balls. He's going to keep the ball on the ground, and he has a good chance to throw zeros. And he's a veteran. I don't, I don't think uh, – I've, I've heard only good things about him in the clubhouse from my colleagues that have worked uh, and covered him. So – that he, he should be a positive addition. 
one inning guy. Not not an right. Not yeah, he won't. Yeah, he won't beat that guy. He's just a one inning guy. And you know, when you look at that, Mark, and this is something that the experiment that Mark Pry, uh, Mark Brian Price did last year with the the you know I'm going to throw a reliever and maybe in the third inning, fifth inning, you're going to go two, you can go two. Uh, Rysel did. It worked for the first couple months, I think. And do you think guys maybe got a little fatigued towards the end of the year? Or, or oh, absolutely. Just the, yeah. But that wasn't because of the way Brian used them. It was no, because, it was because of necessity. Of that when the starters yeah. are, are right. throwing the least number of innings right. in all of, in baseball, all of baseball, that it, uh, impacted it. If the starters were more consistent, mm-hmm. I think Brian's plan would have worked better and it would have worked longer because Iglesias had eight two-inning saves. Guys like most uh, in baseball, most in baseball, and some of the guys they were using, even Storin to a degree, could were capable of pitching more than an inning. Um, it just didn't work because they they were they were gassed, and I, I I think they did a pretty good job on keeping the, the zeros on the board right, so right. they they can make some comebacks. You saw a lot of comebacks sure. last year. Mo Egger, Jeff Picoro, joined by Mark Sheldon, MLB.com. Don't forget, in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, the Reds Hall of Fame and Museum is going to be offering half-price admission this Monday, January the 15th. Discounted admission is $5 for adults and 4 bucks for students and seniors. Children ages 4 and under are free. Plan your visit today at RedsMuseum.org. This is the Reds Hot Stove League show from the Holy Grail Banks, presented by Budweiser on the Cincinnati Reds Radio Network. A couple more minutes left on the Reds Hot Stove League show from the Holy Grail Banks, downtown Cincinnati, presented by Budweiser, Mo Egger, Jeff Pecoro, Mark Sheldon of MLB.com. Uh, you have you've written a couple of different pieces sort of outlining uh, where position groups stand right now about a month or so before spring training. Give us an idea of, of the one or two things that when spring training begins you're interested in watching play out. you got to look at the shortstop situation. Jose Peraza has the job by all, op, op, you know, it's obvious at this point, but you wonder if he can fill the hole that Zach Cozart had. I heard you talking earlier. It's probably not realistic to expect him to completely do what Cozart did, especially last year when Cozart really broke out and became an all-star. But can he hit more consistently? He showed signs of that last at the end of last season when he filled in. After he lost the second-base job, he was able to get uh, be a little more selective and get on base more. I think that's pretty interesting. I also want to see the outfield situation play out where Jesse Winker fits. Uh, I know we talked about the rotation and whatnot, but I think he's showing that he belongs in the major leagues and you, they need to get him a chance to play. And certainly I want to see Nick Senzel, what he does. Uh, you know, I don't expect him to make the team out of camp, but you kind of wonder if he's going to be a Chris Bryant type of situation where if he hits so well, they, they, st- they don't start the clock on him right away because of the, the, the reality of uh, economics. <laughs> but if he can force their hand and he's just, just really te- you know, tearing it up at Louisville, Will he force their hand and find a place to play? They're going to give him five positions to look at this spring to get used to. Yeah, to me, I still think, Mark, and, and we heard this all the last year, they've got guys with ability, but does that translate to the major league level? And I thought it was real interesting that last month or two of the season when Brian would tell us when we have our little meetings with Brian and, and off to the side about he thinks some guys have pitched themselves off of the starting rotation and maybe even off the team. And he does not want to make this an open tryout camp no. at spring training. And that, to me, is very interesting, kind of reading between the lines of what he says. Yeah, he, he thinks if you go to camp and you have five openings for the starting rotation, you're a big trouble. <laughs> and the way he viewed it going in, at least at the winter meetings, is that he saw the, the three veterans and Disclafani, Finnegan, and Bailey, and, and then the rookie from last year, Castillo, Castillo. being the four guys that he sees as being – not locks. It's not all his decision, but he sees those guys in the rotation. 
And then the fifth spots between Molly, you know, Romano, uh, Stevenson, Stevenson and, and, and those guys, you know, Garrett, and even Lorenzen, who's going to have a chance to start. So it's going to be uh, interesting to see who emerges. Judging by the track record of the last two years, the most interesting thing about spring training for me is who's that guy they get the last week before opening day? Yeah. Dan Straley right. two years ago, no one had heard of him, had a great year. Flipped him for Luis Castillo. Now fan favorite Scooter Jeanette, week before opening day, they get him for nothing, and he ends up playing a huge role for the team. So a long shot, I guess. But will history repeat itself? Well, the last day of spring training is March 25th, so I would keep an eye on the Reds March 23rd to 24th and see who they snag. Mark, what happens if Sinzel comes in and tears it up in spring? Do they move a scooter? Or do they, you know, what do you think that could happen? I, I don't think they would necessarily. Again, I think economics say that they have to wait so they don't start the clock too soon. I would not be shocked if they... He comes up maybe May, June, or the All-Star break. He's Mark Sheldon, MLB.com. Mo Egger, Jeff Picoro, thank you for joining us. We're at the Holy Grail Banks, downtown Cincinnati. You've been listening to the Red's Hot Stove League Show presented by Budweiser on the Red's Radio Network.